0: Hello everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers.
1: We will be discussing Uglies by Scott Westerfeld. We will follow Tally's journey through triumphs and peril as she struggles to find her place in what society wants to make of her.
0: Hi I'm Nicole and I'm Robin and this is Books That Burn where we are discussing Uglies book one of the Uglies Quartet by Scott Westerfeld and let's get into our factions. For our main character we have Tally Youngblood and her parents ellie and Sol. best friend paris new best friend shay we have dr cable david maddie avis and croy and then random other uh ancillary characters but first let's move to our minor character spotlight on david david losing his home this one, so part of why we're taking the time to talk about this is because we don't get very much detail on it, but it is a very major topic. And since we're talking about how works handle trauma, mm-hmm. this very major trauma not getting a lot of play in the book we felt was important to discuss.
1: Well, and and, and particularly the way it doesn't get very much play. It It could absolutely have been handled, processed, but the author deliberately chose to have this character almost refuse to process this trauma. This this character actively pushes away the narrative that this trauma is happening to them in a almost almost emotionally brutal kind of just refusal to to deal
0: yeah even to the point where when tally basically lies to these kids about you know saying that the smoke oh you know it just like disbands every few years and then comes back together in a new place he uh, david basically says that he he wishes that that were true and like it's a lie it it got burned down <laughs> Uh, yeah. this was the only place he'd ever known. Even more so than, like, Tally has kind of a you-can't-go-back-home-again thing, but yeah. by but, the time we meet Tally her, she's living in at least the second building she's ever lived in. Like, so there, there's a definite difference and a kind of a permanence if you've only lived in one building ever and one one place, and then it's it's gone, and everyone who was there is gone. So... Yeah.
1: And, and he, there's, there's some key pivotal moments where he says things like, well, so his parents had, uh, essentially a, a safety cache of stuff for if and when something terrible were to happen. And he says when he's like taking Tally over to like pick up their things so they can survive, he says something along the lines of, like, I used to spend, I've spent so many hours, I used to spend so much time in here picturing what would happen when I would need these things. It's almost like I caused it to happen. Like he's, he's starting out with, he he starts out with, my parents are fine, we just have to go rescue them. Eh, our house is really fine. Oh, this is actually okay because I basically caused it anyway. Like, it's almost a denial with a hint of, like... A little bit of fatalism. A little bit of fatalism. A little bit of, like, self-blame fatalism Mm -hmm. going in there. But in all of this, he hasn't hasn't even acknowledged that things could be gone. It's almost like he's talking about, like, of course they're going to be gone. Nah, I didn't lose it yet. Like, it's it's just this really in your face kind of just pushing aside of this reality and a refusal to handle it. And and we also don't we also don't know like a ton about David as a character yet. <laughs> so, yeah. we don't actually know if he's coping underneath. And this is a front for Tally. Like we have no clue. We have no we've no idea. We we have, do we, we've never seen a, him really handle anything he doesn't understand.
0: Yeah, we get a little bit like once the reality of the situation actually the reality of this situation doesn't seem to ever hit him because the point where he rejects kind of kind of rejects tally and actually like kind of says no to being traumatized in a way when he finally pushes back and says no we are stopping here is when he finds out that she is part of the reason that his family is hurt and that his home is gone, and it's only then that he like pushes her away and seems to actually realize yeah. that it's not that going to come real. But and even then, or, I'm extrapolating because he gets so little directly.
1: Can I flip that wording a little bit? Sure. He realizes that he can't just rebuild it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's important. It's not that he thinks it's just not going to come back to him. He has spent his whole life creating things, and when they break they get recycled, and when they get used up, we make another one. And when Mm -hmm. something dies, you redo it. You just make it yourself. Yeah. And I I almost feel like that's a big part of this, is that this is something that he can't not just fix – but that he can't go out and find the parts to forge out of nothing again, which is like yeah. a big deal with his identity, because he's genuinely the only person in that whole that we've met so far who has spent their entire life with that skill. And suddenly he's up against something that that skill means nothing for. I think that's a big deal.
0: <laughs> I also think that kind of how we really get to see how much he's in denial is when – um So thus far, we've talked mostly about losing his home in like a more physical sense. But he also, then when he's like, okay, everything's gonna be fine if I can rescue my parents. Everything's gonna be fine if I can rescue my parents. It'll be fixed. It'll be better. It'll be great, or at least better. And then his... Mom says like, We've gotta go, we can't help your dad, we have to go. And he's like, Well, if they just turned him pretty, can't you fix it? And she's like, We can't we have to go, we can't help your dad. And he just he asks her like again, I think it's when he asked her like the third time, she's like, Your dad's dead, we have to go, we cannot help him. He is dead. And she didn't. You can tell how much she didn't want to tell him that. Oh yeah. Right then, while we're on the run, she just wanted to be like, "We can't rescue him. We can't help him. We have to go." Yeah. And ah, oh, just thinking about because because part of what we talk about is how like we're really focusing on how the author ends up handling it and what the author puts the character through. And I just had the thought that in like in this weird way, we see what the alternate path was because. David and Tally decide not to check out the morgue, which means that canonically, something is arbitrary, almost as arbitrary in feeling as like flipping a coin. They didn't flip a coin. They just said, we're not going to go in there. But something very arbitrary, like a 50-50 did, would could they have gone into the morgue and just found his dad's body and have that be the first thing they found rather than finding Shay and then finding the others alive um and as in terms of like the how what the author decides to put the characters through the author very clearly in the text decided not to put David through finding his dad's body yes and usually we don't try and, like, extrapolate on what the author could have done instead, unless we're, like, talking about what would have made it more or less care. That's really the one place we do it. But, but here we really have this would have been the other path is they go to the morgue and find the body. And they didn't do that. And I just, I just had that thought that I, I appreciate it. But it also means that David, he doesn't get to have like the cold, hard reality of like seeing a body and knowing this is done. He just has to have someone tell him you're not going to get this again. I, I just had a thought mm-hmm.
1: that because this, this ability to kind of handle things and recognize the reality behind them is something that he, it matters to him and, and it's something that he. he he talks about being in tally mm-hmm. and the first time he's really faced with something that he just has to grapple on his own not only is she the one to tell him but he does not deal with it very well
0: <laughs> oh yeah like he's so impressed that you know like she's got scratches on her face she's really like been through things she's so down to earth
1: right right and then and then as soon as soon as she could possibly have been any kind of a, a a stabilizing force for him it he just it, he doesn't even know how to do that yeah. and and no i'm not saying that he was necessarily right about tally but i do think it is an interesting flip that he is the one making those statements about her because he goes, unlike the others, and then the instant he would actually have to to deal with something like that, he he can't.
0: Because whether or not it's true about her, it is clearly and canonically something- It's clearly something- not true.
1: Well, c- not it's true clearly and
0: canonically something he values. Oh, absolutely. That then turns out not to be true about him. Right.
1: It. I just, it's an interesting thing that I wasn't thinking about until you said that just now, but- It's Uh it's an interesting, uh, again, like an author choice on a a reversal there where, you know, he's not valuing it because he has it. He's valuing it because, well, maybe not because he doesn't, but he definitely does not have that thing.
0: Maybe he aspires to it and thinks that he has it because he's been in the smoke his whole life and then Mm. discovers that. Even in the smoke, he had an ease that he didn't know he had. Yeah. He lost some naivete. Um, And did you have anything else? Because I'm ready for a next one. Uh, most of my
1: thoughts are on topic three. But yeah, yeah but I'm good with this one. Two is before
0: three. So yep. go in there. <laughs> Moving on to tally and self-esteem. Uh, so, a uh, thing that this society does intentionally as part of their uh, thing that is a major spoiler in the book's plan. Like, yeah, brain, I guess, yeah, brain, brainwashing as a form of societal control to have as few people as possible worried about all the decisions that a very small group of people are making. They, be, because they have this thing where everyone's going to get this operation at 16 and they need everyone to want this operation desperately. So they don't really leave room for anyone to like how they are. And it's hard to know to what degree, um, like kids call each other names and give each other weird nicknames. They, they did talk Shay and, and Tally did it's, it's talk to about- It's hard how much this is started by adults oh, oh no, at we, some
1: point in time. we get We get more on that. Oh, okay. Shay and Tally have a conversation about how they are reprimanded because people are not allowed to use their real names with each other if they don't call each other by mean nicknames. Oh, I- They actually had that conversation about how, like, they were free to do this with each other, but only when the adults weren't around and no one else could know.
0: I forgot about that.
1: It feels very, very, very... I forgot about that. Yeah, I I, I think it's fully, fully deliberate and top down.
0: Yeah, so, huh, I didn't remember that bit, but it, it is, it is totally fitting with the rest of the book for the adults to make the kids not call themselves their given names.
1: You know what I just thought that's interesting about that? Mm-hmm. They do have given names. Yes. Like, they don't start out with, like, your fake child name that'll get replaced when you become pretty. Like, they they could have gone that route. Other books have gone that route. Certain societies don't go exactly that route, but have a similar kind of, like, choose your name when you become an adult thing. No, that
0: they have one. They, they have a name.
1: They get to. They have a real name that they're not allowed to
0: use because they have to be mean to each like other. Like they get like that's super deliberate. They get to use their name when they're a little <laughs> is what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, now I really want to find where in the book it said that the thing you were talking about. Uh, I don't. Was it in I, front of them? I read this
1: book on my phone. I don't want to try. Um, no, they were talking to each other. This is before Shay left. If I had read this in a physical book, I could flip to it. I read this with a, a digital version. Um, it's, it's when they are, they're hanging out and they hadn't gone hoverboarding outside the bounds of the city yet. Had they gone hoverboarding at all? I don't remember. It was around there though, because Tally was talking about how cool it felt to call Shay by her real name and how good it felt to be Tally and how she was struggling not to call Shay skinny. Like, she had to remember that she was allowed to use her actual name. Like, that was a thing.
0: Oh. Uh, okay, I found the passage, but also, I think I found the passage.
1: It comes up more than once, but there's, like, a specific There's a specific was one. Of. In the
0: last week, Tally had learned that Shay only used her ugly name nickname as a put-down, She insisted they call each other by their real names most of the time, which Tally had quickly gotten used to. She liked it, actually. Nobody but Sol and Ellie, her parents, and a few stuck-up teachers had ever called her Tally before. So there it doesn't have that it's... Stuck-up
1: teachers, the teachers are also calling them by their mean nicknames. This is a a systematic thing.
0: Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I had been thinking of it as teachers call them by their real names, the kids call each other by their nickname. But... Nope. Oh... Certain specific stuck-up teachers. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right.
1: Well, yeah, thanks for- Mean nicknames are systemic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, at whatever point that was introduced, it has a strong uh, inertia in the society with these kids. So I don't- I didn't get anything explicit enough to, you're forbidden? But there's, I want to talk about now about some of the other things around that, that definitely encourage the kids to do that. Because if if the adults had said you're not allowed to call each other real names, they'd be rebelling all the time by calling each other their real names. So I don't. Right. That's not what they, they, I don't think they, I don't think they
1: straight out said you're not supposed to do this. I think they just very subtly reinforced the negativity. In a lot Especially by having the teachers, who like the there's nickname. a lot of ways, t- right, 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 because then you're
0: then you're in on it, yeah. And so the the thing that we're talking about with the nicknames, it's not like how I how you know Nicole goes by Nikki. It's not that. It's it's all like nicknames that are it's intentionally it's in t- they're intentional put downs. Yeah, they and,
1: and they call out a
0: feature that the person doesn't like or is the most away from the average. Like, um, Tally is- yeah, You know Tally's a squint. Can I,
1: yeah? Can I posit a theory? Sure. I don't think it's a feature that the kids start out not liking. I think it is the obvious feature that the adults know is going to get changed by the surgery. Oh, that's-
0: Oh, well, I was gonna say, that's part of why I corrected my phrasing to furthest from the average-
1: Yeah I think it's an intentional thing to I think I think it's an this is part of why I think it's an intentional adult thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's the adults intentionally setting the kids
0: up to hate that thing about themselves. And definitely because we only meet Tally like a couple of weeks a couple of months before when her surgery is supposed to happen we don't get how far back in time she first got this nickname just any of that but we just know that like everybody has this nickname which yes you're right that points to something that's super systemic and must have some origin we just we don't have enough info to speculate on whether they called her squint because she squinted a lot or whether they called her squint because she squinted once and then she. i I
1: think it's just because her eyes as she puts it aren't big enough
0: oh that's it i (sighs) yeah she doesn't even wear glasses oh my goodness she talks about how her eyes are too close together. And that's... And then, like... That's it. That's the full... That's and, it. That's all of Paris's it. And Paris's was nose because his nose was just, like, a little bit bigger. And then Shay's is yeah. skinny because she doesn't eat enough. She's, and It's not even because she doesn't eat enough. It's because she's slender as a build.
1: Oh! She's, she doesn't eat Like, we get comparisons to her with comparing to the, the models in magazines. Right. Shay is not underweight. She's just small. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Tally thinks she won't eat enough because she thinks that it's a deformity, but it's not. Right. She thinks that it's a problem, but it's not.
0: Ah. Dang it. I had fallen into the trap of thinking of, <laughs> of Tally, the narrator in this book, as the best Tally, and... Nope. Oh, my goodness. Um, You're right. This is This is not the smartest Tally, because... As you said, she is 16. Also, for perspective, when I last read these books, I was younger than Tally, So I like... Oh, no. So my perspective, like, age-wise was like, she was older and hypothetically more mature. (laughs) Hypothetically wiser. Hypothetically (laughs) wiser. And so now I am (laughs) much older than 16. (laughs) And I haven't read these books in the middle. I read them in middle school. And then now like a bunch in middle school, but middle school and then now. So, yeah, last time I was younger than <clears> her, <throat> I wasn't thinking of her as immature and not actually understanding things. But you're right. You thought she was an impartial narrator. I she did. is
1: fully fully uh, a part a
0: piece of her society. Yep. <sighs> Dang it. Ah, it's such good writing though because you're right. That's t- that's <laughs> completely there in the text.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. But also tally is unaware of it being in the text right
0: tally doesn't know damn it (sighs) sorry (laughs) book one tally you're gonna have to pull that out book one tally is unreliable i'm gonna put that in bloopers (laughs) (laughs) book one tally is unreliable that is really frustrating okay this is reshaping how i'm thinking of these books i really (laughs) like them a lot okay so things that i want to get to because we've we've talked about a lot of really oh good things God. with this topic but we've missed half the notes that i had we've missed almost all the notes <laughs> we're at, like almost out of time yeah too. um so a couple of important things that i wanted to say with this and self-esteem in these books what what this society does and this is all stuff we have from book one which is one we're talking about with this one they take the gawkiest phase possible which is being a teenager and then pretend that without the society surgery that you'll never ever look better than this and if any of you are listening and you are a teenager and you don't like how you look you're you're going to look better it, I, I, okay. being a teenager is super awkward you're going
1: i i don't even want to say better you're going you probably you look fine right now and you're gonna look different as an adult okay that's true yeah you you, you look fine now you're going to look you you're, you're going to look more the way you, you feel like you should look because your body's not done growing yet yeah. and just give it time to get there. Yeah,
0: your proportions are going to get to a place that's better for whatever your body is and that's going to be fine. So this society takes the point where you're in the most transition and not physically your bones aren't where they're headed towards yet and just all this stuff and they pretend that without this surgery... That it's never going to, that you're never going to look mature without it. But what they actually end up doing is making it so you could only look mature by getting more surgery. Because they've stopped them maturing naturally, physically, to some degree. Also, they have decided that maturity looks a very uniform way. Right. They've also altered the concept of maturity. Yes. Yeah, they've definitely done that. And then they also have software that you play with that encourages thinking that anything that gives your face character and individuality is actually bad and a sign of childhood diseases and stress. And it's it's super bad. Yeah. And the books. So the society is right in a limited way to, yes, humans prefer symmetrical faces up to a point. Uncanny Valley is totally a thing uh they're right that when your face is naturally symmetrical that is an indication that it's less likely that you had a childhood illness and you're more likely to be considered to be pretty which were is not an objective standard of beauty at all but it that is in general and and, and it's a definition that varies from society to society oh absolutely but it, it 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 is in general, likely to be true that a face that is more symmetrical, probably is going to be considered to be prettier. But where the society in this book goes wrong, or is intentionally misleading is that they have extrapolated the idea that symmetry is beautiful and a sign of health, and have made everyone symmetrical artificially so that they can tell them that being symmetrically beautiful is necessary to health but they could have given them the anti-disease booster stuff without making them pretty without doing the rest of the surgery they could have given like the replacement teeth or whatever they do without the rest of the surgery like
1: yeah there's some there's some odd structural things that like aren't necessary but also yeah okay sure like things like replacing all of your natural teeth with artificial teeth that will never wear don't need to be brushed always function perfectly will never fall out will never get infected will another like if i could have that today right now i would do it in a heartbeat my teeth are awful and it's not awful because i don't like how they look they're objectively bad <laughs> they're objectively not good strong healthy teeth But like that doesn't mean that I'm ugly. It's not it's not and it's not a thing that I I look at and go, Ugh, I don't like myself because that doesn't happen. And it's and it's it's but that's what they've they've done here is they've said, well, if you don't have perfect teeth, and if you don't have a symmetrical face, and if you don't have eyes that open exactly this way, and if you don't have the right tilt on your eyes, you're nothing. And they tell these kids that they're nothing if they don't get this surgery. And then they try and say that genetics and health is the reason why you're nothing and you should feel bad,
0: which is, is just a whole extra level of awful. Yeah, like they really have a complete system here of they're awful. It's a very yeah. solid uh, effort in world building. It just <laughs>
1: it's really good.
0: world. It's building. a very well built world with a very terrible society. I, I really love this series. I am ready to move on to our next topic. Are you?
1: All right, on to my favorite topic. Uh. Can I- okay. Can I just jump in with this one? Is that okay? Absolutely. Yep. All right. So, this I I am good. I'm about to get very very meta on anybody who is listening to this episode and this is not your first episode of our podcast our our third topic is related to uh tally and the the ability or lack of ability to consent to trauma and danger tally goes through a a bunch of things where she has the choice to either jump in and consent or she's being forced in with no ability to consent. Forced consent is not consent, and there are multiple points in this story where she is manipulated in a way, either with uh, either with straight up threats or just lack of information. or lack of information in the big reveal later that it was their plan all along, and she has no choice. Uh, but she was she there's several points here where she either... She thinks she has consent or the ability to consent to something. And as soon as she says yes, it's revealed that actually she doesn't have control over it. And that is a that is a thing that we... Robin says... I have not read books two, three, or four um, yet. Robin says that that is a thing that will continue to be something. Yeah. I have some pretty strong thoughts on... Some very meta text in this book. This Before is
0: Before a- you get into your meta, I just had one thought that I wanted to say explicitly, because yes. the way you described this topic made me think of another example that I had not already thought of. Oh, okay, go so, for So, the pendant. Because yeah, what the pendant right? did <laughs> is she thought she had the ability to consent. She thought she was in complete control. She thought she was saying, okay, I am now ready to betray everyone who just took me in. And instead, what happened is she decided, no, I am not willing to consent to being part of betrayal. And because she damaged the pendant by trying to destroy it and triumphantly not help betray everyone, that she destroyed it Activated an automatic thing and made her be responsible for betraying everyone as she thought she had the ability to consent and then <laughs> didn't consent. And it happened anyway. No yeah. joke. Leading up to that moment, pretty much ever since she had the
1: realization that the pendant was impervious to water damage, all the way up until the moment she chucks it in the fire, I was kind of mentally yelling at her, Hey, you're near an ocean, just drop it in and walk away. Like, it, even if it does go off, chances are it'll be miles away. Yeah. And she doesn't do it. But, okay. So, let's, we're going to, so I'm going to break down some. Wait, are you ready now?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I just, that was a very specific, no, that interesting makes sense. <laughs> one. Yeah. So, part of the thing that lets
1: Tally either consent or not consent is the ability to understand things that are a danger to her which means that she she just recognizes threats essentially and she has the ability to work out the implications of those threats and respond and learn about them and grow and and the, so here's here's where it gets kind of meta <laughs> there is a narrative that is very very subtly introduced in this book and then at one point in this book explicitly broken down under the guise of scientific terminology um not not science as in like dense or difficult to read but as in a scientific explanation for for a mechanic in the book but it it breaks down this concept pretty well there's a narrative in this book human beings in order to grow and learn as individuals require the ability to recognize and codify danger and anticipate possible trauma they that is a thing that is something that we inherently need the ability to be able to do now does that mean that we have to undergo trauma personally and experience pain and like does that mean we have to we can't understand or codify or grow as people we have to uh, go through trauma like no no. No, you, absolutely did, not. But it is a very real thing that people who do not get any, any exposure to or have very limited exposure to trauma as a concept and the implications of trauma, whether it's happening to them or whether they just learn about it happening to other people, people that lack that learning experience are fundamentally much less able to handle Things that happen and they're much less empathetic and they're much less able to to figure out things and they're much less they care they they have a harder time connecting to people and they have less understanding of their own emotions and there's a whole there's a whole thing with that that plays out in our world uh in in very very real ways people that are very cut off from other people and don't get the uh, the ability to learn about those things than how they affect other people, they they struggle a lot. And and honestly, there's this is not a science podcast. This is not a psychological podcast. There's a there's a whole wealth of information about how how doing that kind of thing can can hurts you, or or not being able to do it actually injures you. And then that those people turn around and sometimes are the people injuring other people. There's a whole thing with that. But what this book talks about. Is that specifically in this book, the sur- the op the surgery that they they undergo when they're sixteen, part of it is that they it opens up like these lesions in their brain, and there is a there's a significant processing ability difference between people who have these lesions and people who don't have them. And we also have reasons in the book to know that these lesions are artificial and they are a designed part of the process. The people who came up with the surgery want the pretties to be unable to recognize and do any kind of threat assessment. They want them just going through life, seeing everything at surface value and never scratching below the surface because they don't understand that there's something to scratch at. Right. And it's very, very interesting. And it was very, very funny to me because as I was kind of reading this book and thinking about it, all I could think was, hey, this is what our podcast is about. Yep. Yeah. So it was very, very interesting because it's a book about how trauma is, and, and not, again, not undergoing it yourself, but reading about it and understanding it and analyzing it and and looking at implications and connecting the dots on things is inherent to human growth and development and here we have a book about how it's inherent to human growth and development as we're talking about how it's inherent to character development we have had discussions in past episodes some of which have been released in this moment and some probably that have not statistically speaking where we talk about how characters when an author puts them through something they either understand it analyze it and grow or they don't and nothing yeah. happens to them and they don't understand and they fall into the same problems and they don't recognize that thing that happened to someone else and so they do it too or they do recognize it and they do something different and it's a huge learning moment and that's everything we talk about
0: oh yeah and i have a, a couple of thoughts i want to say here uh if I- <laughs>
1: It's just surreal. It was surreal to me, kind of reading this. Literally going, this is an analysis that we're about to do. An analysis on the book's analysis of this analysis. It was just it. <laughs> it was yeah. really, really, really cool to read, especially because I, I was somebody who absolutely did not read these in middle school, and I I, del- I almost deli- I deliberately did not read them. Robin did tell me about them, and I thought they did not sound fun.
0: <laughs> I described them very poorly. I described what the book, conc- I described the way the dis- the society, like the bad things that it said about things without communicating that this was a dystopian novel. And so Nicole was like, I already know this. Cool. Rob-
1: Robin basically tried to sell me on it as being something that will teach you that your looks are not inherent to your self-worth. And I just looked at them and was like, yeah, anyways like i did not understand that i did not understand
0: this yeah um so i have a couple things i want to say with with this and, and um so in terms of like this is why we make this podcast is because we one of the things one of our our guiding like theses with what the books we pick and what we talk about is that being exposed to Uh, A dangerous situation through fiction can be a way of processing emotionally parallel or similar things in your own life or just mentally being able to prepare for something happening or processing and having a better understanding of something that has already happened. When you see see a fictional character go through something that parallels your experience and then the fictional character works through it and gets better and you say, oh... I can do that. That can be that can be okay for me. That can be good. I can not I can get help instead of just having that ideation like whatever it is. Like yeah. And so
1: it, it's part of why we pick it's part of why we we look at the books and we look at and it's partly why people identify with with books because they look at a character going through something that they've gone through and then they can kind of almost vicariously work through how it felt and or, you need or sympathy they, or they and empathy doing to something do that. that they want yeah they you need it already and it also helps develop it
0: yeah you it's can build sympathy and empathy thing. with like fictional characters and and like with going back into the book specifically part of what this operation does is it makes everyone act the same without having sympathy or empathy really for each other or even for themselves or yeah not yeah, yeah. not being <laughs> not being uh gentle to themselves it's just oh i'm not ugly anymore without recognizing that they weren't ugly in the first place even more than that even more than that
1: we get a couple moments with um oh what's his name shay or no. david Croy. no uh, the guy... Oh, the- Paris. Yes. We get a couple moments with Paris where he very... He, in, in Tally's words, he exemplifies all the things that the two of them used to make fun of the pretties for. Specifically, doing things and that just felt good at the time with no consequences ever because everything was safe and they can do anything they want. And the yep. government will keep them healthy and safe and alive. And they don't even have... They ha- they have literally no consequences and no
0: real understanding or connection to consequences. Like, this is a world where if they have a bungee jacket, they can jump off of a 10-story building. I'm and just it'll freak. just take a while to fall to the ground, but they'll be fine.
1: Yeah, and, and even if they forget the jacket, there's other measures in place. You have to be identified, I think... Like there's like I don't remember what the jewelry for the pretties is, but there's the belly sensor, or uh, it might be the belly sensor. But there's there's specific there's specific like tracker devices that they're fitted with, and they're, and and Tally kind of talks about the the whole thing of you know
0: interface like ring. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, that one. Uh, she kind of talks about the fact that like she took off her tracker ring, so she'll die. But even if the pretties forget their jacket, they'll be fine. They're in the system. And there's a there's a a very deliberate there's a there's a whole like culture among quote unquote new pretties where all they do is things that feel good with no consequence, no connection, no cares in the world and no attachment to them because they've lost this ability to, to have anything nuanced ever and They don't, they don't use those words in the book precisely, but they describe it over and over very, very well. And it's, it's just, it was really, it was just surreal for me to, to read this book and, and look at it and kind of go, huh, they're saying what we talk about. It was really fun.
0: we had said that the topic for this was consent, and. Yes. Specifically, I want to make sure that we touch on the reason (laughs) that we called this topic consent. Oh yeah, go for it. So being able to recognize and codify danger in these books is something that you can only do if you don't have the lesions. And at the very end of the book, Tally consents, finally actually, um, not coerced, (laughs) consents to To having the operation, that may take away her ability to genuinely have further consent because they need a willing test subject to find out if the um, pills that can take away the lesion will will work on anyone and help anyone. And so... She basically agrees to be a test subject. She volunteers to be a test subject. They weren't trying to get it to be her. She volunteers to be this test subject for this just untreated, untested thing. And because once she is a pretty, if she has the legions, she won't want to, she won't see there being any purpose in, in having these pills. She won't be trying to be different because of that, she has to consent beforehand in writing. And they do, there's some really, really good discussion and examples of consent and how important it is in this really cool, world-specific way in the last couple of chapters. And I just remembered a whole bunch of things that happened in book two. I'm fine. I just remembered a bunch of really bad things that happened in book two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) hold on until we record
0: again (laughs) i know i know uh it's i haven't read these books in more than 10 years and i just remembered a thing (laughs) okay all right i'm fine now it's just anyway so that that's it that that part of after this whole book where she keeps having where it looks like it's consent and it's not really or she'll agree to stuff even in the smoke like she'll agree to all these things but she got coerced into being in the smoke anyway. And it just like mucks up her feelings and reactions. And I, I really like how it talks about how con- conflicted she feels in a really specific way. So it's not like, oh, she just feels bad. Like it, they talk about the ways and different things. She finally, at the end of the book, takes some control, even though it might mean that she never that this version of her never can consent to anything again, even though the next version of her may consider themselves to perfectly well be able to consent to everything they can. And also with consent, they don't make Shay be the test subject because Shay right. doesn't want it and doesn't think there's anything that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And I, I'm really, really appreciating how good These books are around the topic of consent as a thing in like a non-sexual context, because it usually gets talked about just there. But it's it's across all these things. And uh, these books are so good. I am ready for the wrap up.
1: Do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous games? Spend some time with Zach and Josh from the Midwest Meltdown. This show is created by two friends who have spent the past 14 years telling funny stories, talking about video games, and anything else that comes to mind. They wanted to turn their passion for gaming into something they could share with others. Again, that's the Midwest Meltdown on Spotify, Apple Music, and Podbean. Check
0: them out. They would be happy to have you. For the wrap-up and ratings for our first topic the gratuity rating for David. I think somewhere between mild and off-screen and we discussed our feelings about that as a really cool way to portray it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's mild. Mild? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not off-screen. We do see Tally watch it happening. Oh, uh, sorry. His... We watch her watch him react. We yes. we do actually see it. Like that, That's my whole point. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's not off-screen. But I, I do think it's mild.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean... There's a lot of time gaps in that section. That's the only reason I say off screen a little mm, bit. Yeah, but, but I'm I'm good with mild. I yeah yeah.
1: There, there, it's not like he goes off screen, has some major development, and then comes back on
0: screen. That's true. That's my argument uh, there. <laughs> sure, I'm good with mild. All right, for self-esteem, severe, <laughs> severe. Um, it is the premise of the books. It is the premise of the books, and also we have
1: some content warnings on that section that even just having them there kind of kicks it up to severe anyway yeah in my personal opinion yep absolutely
0: uh consent uh weirdly i almost want to say moderate i was gonna say moderate actually no i agree i i don't quite know how to exactly how to qualify it it's gonna it's
1: gonna i think it was just we'll get to this in that section but i think it was maybe handled with enough care that it almost pulled it down
0: and we do you know? try to keep those as two separate ratings yeah so I would say but, but i think i think
1: in this i book, think the language was chosen did both things i'm not saying that mm, treating it with care okay. pulled it down i'm saying that the language chosen both treated also. it with care and also pulled it down to moderate like as a, okay. as a as a general topic it's it's more on the side of severe but the way it was worded and the examples used and how mm-hmm. it was treated and the content and the types of discussions the characters have, like, the way it was treated makes the, the impact on the reader a – it's not mild, but it's definitely not severe.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I separately th- – yeah.
1: Also, also, it is our metatextual topic, so <laughs> – Yeah. <laughs> we, we definitely needed it to be last for reasons, but – the actual things in the book, the way it was talked about. Yeah. Yep. Anyways,
0: <laughs> moving on. I guess, yeah, we didn't quite order these by severity. Well, in one sense, but...
1: Well, we we didn't in the sense that we normally do. We did in a broad scheme of things type sense.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, is the trauma integral David's thing? I... Yes. Yes.
1: You could if we took it out, would it be the same book without replacing it? Mm, no, I think that... Okay. If we
0: replaced it with a different trauma, would it be the same book? I think... Okay, so there's two components to his thing. Mm-hmm. There's the place and there's the person. And I think that mm-hmm. for the, p- the place component is integral. Okay. And the person component is interchangeable.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to put both then. That's fine. Okay. okay self-esteem integral (laughs) integral it is the plot (laughs) or it's the driving it's the driving hook of the plot
0: and may i say i am so like having a book for teenagers about how you're not ugly you're fine and you're gonna grow out of this and it's gonna be okay
1: and that like your natural body is not inherently a problem
0: Exactly. Like, yeah. that's such a good message. And I really, really love these books. Yeah. And and did as a teen. They didn't fix things, but they definitely, they definitely helped some stuff. hmm Yeah. So, self-esteem, integral. Consent, it is. It is integral. Is integral. Yep. Definitely. Uh,
1: Both in the way that we talked about it and also in the other ways in the book. It's very, very, very integral. Yep. I would almost argue that our self-esteem topic is integral to the shaping of the book and the consent topic is integral to the resolution. Yes. I think they're very complementary in this setup.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Consent's woven throughout.
1: Oh, yeah. But it it is almost always the... Resolution. Having it or not having it is almost always the resolution to something.
0: Yeah. That's true. It's
1: always the linchpin in the the solution.
0: In this series, yes. Uh, For care i think with david it was treated i don't think it was was treated treated. with distance but i don't think it was treated with
1: care i think it was treated with no care (laughs) i think i think the distance is cold
0: rather than um
1: cold and artificial and jagged and lack of i mean literally what the thing that we talked about is that it was the lack of him caring for himself and i think the way it was done for for the for the the readers it was it was treated with with no care it was incredibly brutal and harsh and blunt yeah and in your face which is interesting <laughs> but
0: and, i
1: think it really was i don't I, I don't think it was treated with care at all
0: no i i agree with you that it was not treated with care and this is one of those places where i wouldn't change it the- no, I, I wouldn't change it. The book's yeah. great. I think it needed to be that, that cold and jagged in order to truly convey. It's hard to have care when you're trying to convey shock and denial. Yes. Is what I would say. And so it conveys that very well by not having care but i don't want to call it enough either i think it is no i don't think it was enough i think it was straight up no and i think it was on purpose the book is calculated and the narration is careful to not give care to the thing that happens it's weird um oh no not callous
1: but it's not callous but it was not treated with care it was not treated with care
0: yeah, it's in this weird, middle, cold, neutral zone of <laughs> grief and denial. Um, yeah. And <laughs> huh, moving on to self-esteem. Uh, this, I've, none or enough? Oof, I'm not sure. Not enough. Not enough? Not okay. enough.
1: Okay. Not enough only because of this particular topic being incredibly harmful in just even if you just know people who have trauma
0: from yeah similar things so i have a little bit have a little bit of pushback i would my one thing is i would call it enough because i have read a book and we can talk about it later okay i've read a book that Once. handled no. this topic badly and brutally and it actively hurt my mental health to read the series and mm. it was for the exact same topic so i have seen this handled badly
1: i i'm not saying it was okay
0: look say we're not
1: going to say badly but this if you i i'm not i'm not saying this was okay, handled with enough. no care i'm saying I'm saying that this book is almost set up.
0: It's part one and we haven't resolved it yet. Is that kind of the feeling? Okay,
1: hold on. I have to... No, no. I, I think this this book is, del- I think, very deliberately set up in a way... And we actually we actually ran into this, not necessarily... Well, yeah. Actually, we ran into this during our discussion of this topic. This book is set mm-hmm. up in a way so that you... As the the audience, as the reader, you internalize a little bit of the main character's prejudice towards variation in humans. Mm-hmm. You're, you're set up to read the main character's viewpoint on other people as legitimate. You're set up to see them as, a, as an unbiased, neutral, uh, uh, neutral narrator. And yeah. if your trauma is this trauma, and you're reading about That's a ca- about a main character who looks at other people and sees them as gross and bad and looks at herself in the mirror and sees her as gross and bad and you're reading that and you're reading it and you're reading it as true okay this is not true this is not treated with care mm-hmm. <laughs> a- or at the very least not enough like it's i don't think it's i don't think it's necessarily like the worst Hmm. I don't, I don't think it's going to damage somebody who doesn't have this thing. I'm not saying that. Like, I, I think if you if you don't already struggle with this, I don't think you're going to get damage from reading it. But if you do already struggle with this, not everybody who reads it, but I, I believe that uh, it's it's definitely something to be fully, fully, fully aware of as being in the book.
0: Yeah, definitely a thing.
1: And you having to gauge if you can handle the main character thinking about herself this way and other people this way.
0: Yeah. That's my argument. No, I, I I do agree and I was focusing a little bit more on um a facet of this topic and not the whole thing. So so when I was talking about this being handled badly in a different book, I was focusing on a very specific facet of this. Um that makes sense. The um and this is gonna be in our content warnings, the eating disorder facet yeah. of this. Uh, we can talk later about that book because I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> You don't want to read that book? <laughs> book. I don't. I don't want to read it. For <sighs> I'll read it and we, we can talk. We about could it. maybe do it as we could maybe do it as a highlight. I don't want to read the whole series. Oh, um, okay. We'll I think we later. should because of how this other series handles a lot of things. I mainly don't want to shade a book that we're not reading. <laughs> That's fair. And I haven't read in ten years. Okay. So I have seen eating disorders in a ya novel Mm -hmm. handled what i would consider to be badly Mm -hmm. um and Uh, i'm not i'm not arguing this was
1: handled badly
0: sure i think i think that topic actually was handled with care but i will agree that the self-esteem and other facets of body image issues Mm -hmm that i okay i will agree with you there that that was not enough oh yeah
1: i i was i am not i am not focusing directly on the on the eating disorders i'm looking at it as a whole entire package because because eating disorder is not the cause eating disorder is the reaction to this other thing that is incredibly pervasive here
0: haku my child absolutely but i was so i was so transported back to this other book that i was like that's a lot better than that one um so uh i Haku just tried
1: to eat my headset
0: <laughs> haku don't do that
1: she's at that ah. young tender cat age where she just likes to nibble on things
0: do they grow out of that no okay i didn't think this so. is a,
1: this, the age lasts the lifetime of the cat
0: yep. <laughs> uh yeah our other siblings cat was responsible for eating three headphone cords of mine in a oh i forgot about that yeah that was bad <laughs> That's really bad. Anyway, uh so let's go with not enough care. Um I think that if you follow the series through to its conclusion, it can be a very positive thing oh, for oh, yeah. processing and addressing this. But it's, it's in order to up- get to there we had to start here <laughs> and yeah. here is a very uncomfortable place.
1: Yeah, I I mean it, it definitely reads that way to me as a as a first time reader. It definitely reads as like, okay, we're setting up this thing and we need you to be in this mindset because we need you to understand it. All right, now we're going to debunk it. Like that's that's de- now we're going to heal yeah. from it together as a group. Like that's very much the vibe that I get from it, but like putting but true, yourself in a book, traumatized mindset to heal from like getting in that mindset is is You can't, if you treat it with care, you don't get there. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, not enough, but well handled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and not enough doesn't mean
1: bad, necessarily. It just... No. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Moving on to consent. Yes. (laughs) I think, was treated with care.
1: I think it was. I think it was treated with care in a really, really cool way, actually. I really liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And can I just say... It was refreshing to have a YA book that explicitly focuses on consent and is not about consent in relationships or sexual consent. Like, that's not even a discussion that is had.
0: No, it was just consent is really important. It's, it, consent is really in important. A, in things. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It was just really nice. And, like, and I'm not saying that because, like, oh no, relationships. I'm just. It it was really, really nice that it was purely this thing as a concept in life and not tied to that one thing that people a lot of times try and restrict it to almost.
0: I mean, I like the slogan, consent is sexy, but it was nice to see this consent is just baseline important as a message, not having anything to do with with sex or romance. Right. Consent is just very important. And then that can be extrapolated out. That right. was nice. Yep. Point of view. Tally. It's tally. Uh but I have a little bit of a, a caveat. Okay. This is a pre-operation tally. Pre any oh. operation tally. Because pre-op Tally. Yeah, this is pre-op, pre pretty op tally. <laughs> uh
1: pretty pretty op is too many letters for me to type in our (laughs) spreadsheet i'm just gonna put pre-op tally
0: okay (laughs) that's actually probably
1: not true but i don't want to type more
0: yeah i don't really want to refer to her as ugly tally because that that doesn't yeah pre-op tally she's pre-op tally um that is important uh if you continue with us to the later episodes and this journey that i'm taking my co-host on because they have not previously read these uh that's a very important distinction. Yes. This will not be a series where it's like, well, it's the same perspective again. No, it yeah. is ugh, good writing, good world building. No spoilers. Uh, moving on. No, no spoilers, <laughs> moving on. Anyway, pre-op like, Okay, do you have an aspiring writer tip? Oof.
1: Um, mostly just it's really nice to have this. I mean, I kind of talked about this a little bit with analyzing how consent was handled but it's just really Mm -hmm. nice to have a story that is almost meta but in a way where the main character is not aware of it being meta yeah (laughs) and like and i'm i'm not saying i don't know maybe maybe we just have need you to turn that into a tip again uh but there's there's so much there's so much of the time where either you don't have that meta conversation in the book you only have it if you like deep delve analyze it Mm -hmm. or your main character is telling you about how they learned and grew yeah and it's it's never it's never it 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 never crosses and i'm not saying no book crosses i'm saying that just a lot of fiction is one of the two it's either something that you have to extrapolate from the text yourself or it's something where the main character tells you what the things that you're supposed to notice and Having this book where the main character absolutely does not get it yet, but also the book itself hands you these concepts incredibly well, mm-hmm. in a very, very easy to to digest and process kind of a way, it was just, it was really cool to read. I, I did, I actually said this to, to Robin before we started recording, this was a book that middle school me would have hated so much, but adult me really appreciates it. Middle school me would have not understood why you were telling me things I was already, I already knew and why the main character wouldn't seem to, like, get it. (laughs) Adult me goes, oh, that's the point. (laughs) And I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I don't know if that counts as a tip.
0: (laughs) uh how to turn that into an aspiring writer tip Oof. uh this one did show and tell Ooh. for specifically the topic of oh consent. no that makes sense very you don't well. have to pick one you can do both No, you don't have to pick one do both yeah so we have several instances okay. of show and then a very explicit here is why we're doing what we're doing before we move on to the next thing yeah but by having show first it doesn't feel like it's not a shoehorned fisted info dump yeah yeah it's just
1: it's not it's not a railroaded campaign in a
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's this is we have several examples and then no we are going to do this right and then they do it right yeah after several examples of it going badly um instead of just you know you should do it this way does it badly you didn't do it right because like that's
1: that's and un- that's just frustrating to read when it's like ah why didn't you follow directions i didn't want to because i'm a main character and i have to learn things and the audience yeah. is like ah uh, <laughs> but we already but knew having- better <laughs> yeah speaking of the whole speaking work. of the whole analyzing trauma as a learning mechanism uh mm-hmm. huh. like that's stressful that's stressful to read when you as an audience member are learning and growing and recognizing and the story doesn't learn and grow with you, that's frustrating. And this book does yep. not do that. And it's, it's so good.
0: Yep. Uh, do you have a favorite non-traumatic thing about the book?
1: Uh, favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? I like the science behind their hovercraft. Ooh, that's nice. Just in general. I just like the whole magnets, but almost not really magnet thing. I think it's also a really good explanation for why they can't just hoverboard everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think it's really nice where they can build themselves hover roads. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's also a a concept that I have seen. I don't know if it's actual experiments with or if it's just people writing or if it's just people writing like meta text. Ooh, what if we did them this way? But I don't know. It's it's I thought it was cool. I thought the descriptions of them writing were cool. I thought it was very good. Like, speaking of showing your narrative, it was very good. A very good show of what it would feel like. And it was fun to read. Do you
0: have one? I do. I have. Okay, so this was... I don't know if it was the first one, but it was a very early book for me where I just... I fell in love with this book from the first line and it's a very weird first line. I, I don't remember whether I picked this up from the bookmobile or the library, but so, okay. So what happened is there was this, okay. Like it, we had, the library gave this like presentation of like, these are the new YA books. And I saw the cover and I was like, oh, that's cool. It was, it's, I, I saw the one where it's, uh, where you can see like half her face and like the eye and it's like green on one side. If you've seen this cover, it's very distinctive. The copy I own now is no longer this cover. Oh. Anyway, so we had like this ad for this book and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm going to open it. And I re- opened it and I read the first line. I was like, I need to read this book. I still <laughs> think about the first line of this book. Like weekly. <laughs> just Years later, just randomly, like every one or two years, I'll be like, ah, oh, the first line of uglies. <laughs> um, and the very first line is, and I'm going to read the sentence too, because you really need that for context. The early summer sky was the color of cat vomit. Of course, Tally thought, you'd have to feed your cat only salmon-flavored cat food for a while to get the pinks right. That was
1: a very, and good, it's a very descriptive first line.
0: It's such, a- and then there's even more lines about like how some of the clouds look like scales like it's uh <sighs> it's very good this it paints a very this book paints a
1: very very good visuals for things yeah. just in general and and, mm-hmm. and and not in an expositiony kind of way it's just it's very in- inherent it's very nice and
0: like this is the this is the like like event equivalent of tally was staring at the skies cuz she's like a teenager and bored yeah. but instead you get this this Ah, such a good line. It's my my favorite thing. I I genuinely think about how much I love the first paragraph of this book, specifically the first line. About every every one to two years, like <laughs> over over a decade later. Oh no, I think it's fifteen years later. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> um just not quite fifteen. Fifteen since this came out but not quite 15 since I found the series. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think about it every once in a while and it's so good. And that's my thing. Uh, Before we
1: officially end, I just would like all of you to know that our lovely assistant editor has spent the last almost five minutes trying to distract me so that she can attack my headset cord by, so she's under my chair. She reaches out a paw. She tugs at my sock. When I move my foot, she whips around real fast and reaches for the headset cord, which is like, speaking of, hi baby,
0: which is like so- junior assistant editor.
1: <laughs> that was, that was Kohaku saying that she can't believe I would say something so terrible about her. How dare I insinuate that she's mm-hmm. trying to attack something that she knows not to attack. Uh, <laughs> ah. Uh yeah, it, it, I just keep feeling this tickle on my foot and then I look down and as soon as I shift my foot her paw whiffs around at my headset cord. Like I don't know what she's trying to accomplish. If I look down, I'm staring at the cord. Yeah. But she's she's doing her, her absolute best. Right, baby? Well,
0: uh <laughs> I think I don't have anything else other than I really love this series and I'm both looking forward to and with I love this series.
1: <laughs> You're just looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm also remembering all the bad things that happened to the characters. Because there's a reason this is a great series for our podcast. Oh so. boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, I just, i I really, really like this author's books. A lot. Not all of them have been amazing for me like there there were a couple i just couldn't get into but like this and midnighters i read over and over and over wholeheartedly recommend ugly's quartet and and midnighters just they're great they're really great uh catch us on the facebook group if you want to talk with me about how much how awesome midnighters are <laughs> um or Uglies. just either one uh, just whichever i'm which everyone I'm catches your particular fancy. Resplendently scintillating illustrations, and it's ah um yeah. So that's it. <laughs> plugged for entirely different series by the author.
1: <laughs> you have plugged uh, two entirely different series. <laughs> one that you didn't actually name. You just plugged it without,
0: or no? I wasn't. I wasn't plugging. No, it. You, had not a, you had. You had a one. plug,
1: and then you had one that you were basically saying, "Don't read this."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you but- had. <laughs> I'm not pointing anyone towards it. We may cover it eventually as a highlight anyway. <laughs> Something
1: so. about this particular book makes you think of other books, which I find very, very amusing. At
0: least in context
1: of the actual podcast. Well, this was
0: this was my this was my jumping off point for finding out. This was my first YA wow. book. This was what got me into. This is a genre. These are things like Bucku. this might what are you doing, this child? might predate me reading Redwall, but I'm not sure. That's how early this wow. was for me. Yeah. Oh, like like the bookmobile came to the library. There was a commercial and a presentation of like these are the YA books, and I was like, there are YA
1: books. <laughs> what is this? Where and have, have you I been my whole them? small short years of existence?
0: Yeah. So yeah, this book makes me think of other books because it was, <laughs> it was the first, it was, a, if not the first, a very early YA series that I read. Fair enough. Yep. All right. <sighs> and we will catch you in a fortnight. Uh, let us know what your first YA series was in... Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Just let us know. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at books that burn at yahoo.com. Support us on
1: patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review, this helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.